All right, everybody, before we dive into today's episode, we are brought to you by two headline sponsors, the first one being Elite Sweets. Elite Sweets is redefining the way we think about sweets with their Elite Donuts. The Elite Donut is a better-for-you donut that is packed with 13 grams of protein. They're gluten-free, keto-friendly, and contain only one gram of sugar. These have become a staple in our house as we look to have a healthy diet and want products that if we do feel like having that sweet or you know having a cheat meal or just a cheat snack, um, something that's not going to completely ruin our diet. So Elite Sweets have become that. Uh, it's a donut. It tastes delicious. It tastes just like those shitty donuts that you're used to growing up, except these ones are, are high in protein, gluten-free, they're keto-friendly for all you keto dieters out there. And most importantly, in my mind, uh, they only contain one gram of sugar. So get yours today at EliteDonut.com or on Amazon. If you use code ShaneWhite30 at checkout, you'll get 30% off your order. And that code works on both Amazon and EliteDonut.com. Again, that code is ShaneWhite30, all one word, and you'll get 30% off your order. Today's episode is also brought to you by Routine. When we sleep, we lose between a pound and a pound and a half of water, mostly just from sweating while you sleep, which is something I did not know before I started working with the guys over at Routine. They've come up with a product that they call Morning Routine. It's a single-serve packet that I take every morning, and it contains half an organic lemon, one tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, Himalayan sea salt, all six essential electrolytes, and most importantly, no sugar. Most people wake up, they grab that cup of coffee first thing in the morning. What most people don't realize is if you wake up dehydrated, which is easy to do when you, uh, when you wake up from a, a long night's sleep, uh, your body sweats and expels a lot of vapors while you're sleeping. Instead of grabbing that cup of coffee, try grabbing a morning routine packet. Each of these, as I mentioned, um, is made up of all these great ingredients that helps rehydrate you in the morning, get your metabolism going once again. Uh, I just take one of these little, there's little single serve packets, tear one open, throw it into, you know, just a shaker bottle or 20 ounces of water, shake it up and drink it. First thing in the morning, you feel a difference. You really do feel hydrated again. You can tell the difference when you use the product and then go off of it again, the difference you feel first thing in the morning. Routine, trusted ingredients, made convenient. You can go to yourroutine.com and use code ShaneWhite30. Again, Shane White 30, same coupon code as the last brand, Elite Suites. If you use code Shane White 30 at checkout on yourroutine.com, you can get 30% off your first order. All right, everybody. I have a great guest coming up next, and I will talk to you in just a second. communication um yeah lots of good stuff having ha are happening over at omics man yeah we're uh we're ramping up we just finished our first pilot um we're going to do a little fundraising this fall and then we're going to launch a, the public product uh first quarter of next year so nice well i have busy. i have been an avid consumer of it I awesome love it. awesome it's it's um we're just getting started like we're working on all the integrations um we're uh, working on a pretty sizable partnership with Whoop. Um, oh, hell yeah. Nice. Yeah, um, which I can 
I think talk a little bit about on the ones we brought us, but not a ton. Yeah. Um, and uh, the like, we can talk about this on the show, but you know, we look about we look at it really in two ways now. Once we shored up the the food tracking part, it was about sort of the analogy is is sort of like a, a, a medical one. It's about diagnosing the problem, which is what the second brain does, which is sort of what we alluded to on the first show that we did together. Um, but this telling people what to do is only the is only part of it. The second part of it is actually helping them implement it. Sure. So we are going to be um, working with calendar integrations and helping you plan. So like it'll integrate with your calendar it'll see your work you'll load in okay i'm gonna do mile repeats today or back or you know play a tennis match or whatever it may be and then based on your historical things that you've eaten and stuff like that it'll say oh okay but if you're gonna run seven miles today that means you should be eating this before and this after slot them in it means you should be going to bed at this time because you need to have this much recovery and this much sleep and so we help you implement that into your real life and then life is life and inevitably things don't go how they're supposed to go so you'll there will be a planning portion where we'll help you integrate it and then what we're calling sort of um amend or adjust or what what, you know uh whatever the terminology we come we settle on is um where you'll wake up the next day and either your recovery will have been terrible and it's like dude seven miles at hard you know 10k pace you know intervals is not the move today or oh this meeting got moved and that's when you were gonna lift and so on and so forth so it will be able to say because this is a conflict now whether it's a scheduling conflict or a physiological conflict we're going to move certain things and that means that you have to you should be changing your meals and you should change your bedtimes and stuff like that in order to continue to optimize whatever metric you're working on so it's really three steps it's diagnose the issue and and, and prescribe a, a solution help you implement that and then help you um, adapt to the changes in your real life to, to keep that that going and so it's really um, we look at it as the back end is the second brain and the front end is sort of like your digital health assistant. Whoa. Um, it's like, yeah, I was going to say that, that, uh, and we're just jumping right in here. I love it. Um, yeah. it's, uh, that is really cool. Cause I will say even, even now, like trying to prep for a marathon that like, it's, tough. it's very different than the last time I did where I didn't know what the hell I was doing at all. Um, but that's really cool because that I would agree that is. It's like half of the, the the juggling that goes on every day is just so much so many things in the entrepreneurship realm are moving, changing. You always have a plan. The plan never actually works. Uh, so you're pivoting constantly. Yeah, and, and it's just I think one of the big problems with a lot of these trackers, be it Whoop or Aura or whatever, is you know you work out on a plan, right? Like you do your lunges every day, and you have your running, and I'm sure you have your lifting, and so on. So like. If, if it's Wednesday and you're planning to do your long run and lunges tomorrow, then you wake up and your whoop score says 87, you do your lunges and your long run. If it says yeah. 27, you do your lunges and your long run, you know? And so like, yeah. you're not adapting, you're not, and that's what we're trying to fix. You're not implementing the information you have into your life. And, and, and it's just, it's just too hard for most people for, for I everyone. I totally agree. Like, it used to be easier when so I wasn't hard. training for uh, like uh, something on the calendar, I guess, because yeah. when it was, when I was just doing 
like the CrossFit programming I was doing, I could look at the whole week. And if I did wake up on a Wednesday and my recovery was red and I was at 27%, I could maybe swap out a workout for a one that was less intense later the week or something. Cause in general, as long as I, you know, over the week got it all in, I wasn't as concerned, but yeah, I've I definitely, and I'm sure you're in the same boat. I've had whoop long enough now. I think I've had it for almost four years. I don't, yeah. I, it's weird. I, I love, it's weird. I, I feel like I have to have it on or I feel like I'd be missing information, but at the same time, and I'm sure you get this way too. I, I can wake up and almost know roughly what I'm at. And I know that's probably a little bit of a placebo thing, but I, if I do the 10 things a day, if I, if I hit the sauna, if I stretch, if I go to bed at a good time, if I don't touch gluten and I don't drink, I'm probably green unless I didn't sleep yeah. long enough. Yep. I don't know. It's funny. I think, it, which is probably a good thing too. It probably means that I've, some I've people kind of are like great at it. In. Some people are great at it and some people are terrible at it. And, and we can touch on this in the, in the, the show too. Um, I've been speaking to some like very, very high level performance coaches, um, okay. like people who coach Olympians and, and world record holders. Nice. And um, what's fr- what, was, what I thought was frustrating was three specifically I've spoken to, um, well, I guess two specifically I've spoken to and one um, I listened to on, on, a, on a podcast. Um, and they talk about the number one predictor of performance is the way that the athlete feels the morning of the event. And I was like, I was like, Oh, that's so like crappy for us because like, we're all about quantitative data and stuff like that. And all three, well, both people that I was speaking to, I was able to ask. And the the person I was listening to just volunteered this as a follow-up was the problem with that is people are terrible um, at predicting how they feel. Right. Right. If you cover for most people, if you cover their screen and you ask them what their whoop recovery is or you ask them what their HRV was or whatever it may be, like. It's not that close, Um, especially around stressful times leading up to events and stuff like that. And, you know, to your point, like sometimes you can be like, okay, I'm going to do this tomorrow. But like, you know. Pat Mahomes wakes up. He can't be like, mm, can we move the Super Bowl? Like, I'm, yeah. not, I'm in the red today. <laughs> and know? it probably like – not... tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I would also assume – and it was funny. I think we talked about this last time. One of Matt Frazier's biggest gripes when I talked to him about whoop on here was he's like, I wouldn't – I didn't want to know. He's like, if, yeah. if, I, if it's day one of the CrossFit games, I don't want to know I'm red. Yeah. Most athletes will not look at any data um, in the few days leading up to it. And it's 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 a little bit um, self fulfilling because a there's just stress and tension and excitement and nerves around events and so that yeah. generally leads to poor sleep outcomes. B worrying about the recovery actually facilitates a worse recovery because it releases cortisol because it's stress. Sure. And C seeing the bad number the morning of a big event is going to be psychologically detrimental to you as a, as an athlete. And so what we've discovered and, you know, not through testing, but from through talking to people and, and a lot of the experts at some of these companies and other high performance coaches is that your body can overcome, like, I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but the weighting of your recovery score or your readiness score, depending on what metric you're using, on a given day, like on game day, is far less important than like 
the average over the previous 30 days, right? Mm. Like if you're well prepared, your body can overcome like one night of not great sleep. The problem is, is if you're underprepared leading up to that, if you have sort of fatigue debt, so to speak, that's a problem. And so what happens is if you can focus on the 30, 60 days, specifically leading in, I guess 60 is probably too long, 30 days leading into that event, it becomes less important about like what your recovery or readiness score would be on the morning of the marathon or the Super Bowl or whatever it may be. Um, But also having that frame of mind that relieves the stress of this number matters, actually changing it to this number on this specific day doesn't matter that much, will allow you to sleep better and produce less, release less cortisol and probably have a higher score, even if you never see it or you don't see it until like after, like I ran a half marathon, I didn't check until after the race was done. Yeah. I had an 11% recovery that morning. And if you would but, have woken up and seen that, do you think you would have run oh, I'm worse? A, I'm a mental midget. I would have been like, I'm I have not going to be able to run. And like, I mean, it would have been catastrophic to my like, <laughs> very fragile psyche which is one of one one reason on the long list of reasons why i'm not a professional or competitive athlete other than the, the lack of ability um but no i would have been you know destroyed and yeah um so so but knowing that it doesn't matter now if i saw that i would be like okay you know but sure, we've been sure. we've averaged 78 for the past like 30 days so like we're in pretty good shape it's it's sort of like if you think about it like a gas tank on a car, right? Like if you're, if you see it and you're on empty, you're going to be like freaked out. But if you know that like over the past, whatever, I guess this isn't really a perfect analogy, but over, but you've gotten yourself, you know, you have 10 miles left on the car, but you only need to go three miles because you, you're, you've already done all the yeah, work and right. stuff like that. Like you're like, Oh, okay. That makes total sense. So like, I got there. Um, I need the gas now, but it, yeah, it. It, it's exciting. Um, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on, but it's been busy and, and marathon training has been harder than I thought it was going to be. And, yeah. And, uh, I can't wait to dive doing, into that too. Cause I, yeah. I think I want to hear your story. Um, doing I, let's back up brutal. too. Uh, for yeah. everyone listening, if you didn't listen to the first one, um, David, I'll, I'll let you give a little background to yourself, but First of all, loved having you on the first time, and we obviously got way into the weeds of omics and just, I would say, performance. Uh, I love this stuff. I'm a data nerd. I know you are too. So for everyone listening who hasn't listened to the, our first episode, would you mind just giving a real quick introduction to yourself and then um, just what Omix is? I think it'd be great to give everyone a quick yeah. overview of that. Absolutely, Shane. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, I love the first conversation. Excited to dig into some more stuff and, and, and update you and everyone on, on what we've been working on. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Omix, um, which is a software company that we are still in the process of developing that will help, uh, we hope everyone or lots of different types of people improve their health and performance by um, diagnosing and analyzing information um, about themselves using wearables and testing uh, equipment and also just personal human input. Um, and then using that to create actionable recommendations that people can use to improve uh, their their health and performance through small uh, incremental lifestyle changes that they can do for a very long time, hopefully, and make long-term changes. Um, and then the new part of the, the, uh, the company and the product is help them actually implement those things and into their daily life and help them 
uh, adjust or adapt when life doesn't go according to plan? And, and how can you sort of stay on track when, you know, life throws you that inevitable curveball that feels like comes up, you know, every pitch or, yeah. or, or every morning? I know. I was just explaining it to someone the other day, and I said the best way I can describe it is um, – First of all, it's really user friendly. So, like from the, I personally think I've tried a lot of the like macro food tracker type things. I think yours is the best. So I'll just say that I think it's great and it's easy Thank to you. use, and I'm addicted to it. But number two, it's like if you're someone who tracks, probably you know if you're on the high end of tracking things, like I have a Whoop, I track my food now. Um, you know, I use different things like Strava and BTWB for CrossFit, and lots of just tons of data is going in. But even when I met you the first time, I remember thinking like, yeah, it's cool. I put all this stuff in, but like how much do I actually go back and like do anything with it? Like I feel like it's beneficial while I'm using it. What I've been telling people is Omics just finds a way to like pull all that data in and then be like, hey, okay, you did X, Y, and Z. If you do if you do X a little bit different, this will give you this result, which I've – you know, I know it's in the beta stages, but already it's just, it's been really cool to see how it's taking – what I'm doing and then actually like give me something to try to improve, you know, X, Y, or Z on. Um, super, super cool. I think it's going to become something that a lot of people are obviously going to use. And obviously I know that's, you know, you have way higher aspirations than I'm, I'm leading on, but um, it's really cool. It kind of ties together any, I think anyone who's a high performer or tries to be all the different things, it just pulls it all together and makes sense of it, which that's probably a yeah. dumbed down version of explaining it, but no, that's the that, way I think that's... about it. That's absolutely the key, right? Like, um, you know, my a friend of mine who's a very high performing individual um, professionally, but also a high performing athlete, calls a lot of these things toys. And he's, you know, Whoop and Aura, and you know, he's like, "Oh, all of your toys." And I was like, "They're <laughs> not toys. They're like it's like scientific stuff that we're figuring out how to improve our bodies." He's like, "Until you use them for something, they're toys." Right, which is sort of exactly what you were saying. Like just looking at some scores on a screen and stuff like that. Yeah. Like until you use it to impact your training, it was like what you're doing and what the average user of a lot of these pro things is doing versus what like truly elite athletes are using and what they're testing and and the the changes that they're making to their training and their lifestyle based on the results of those things. He's like that's a totally different. Thing. And to assume that, you know, it's just the same is, is ridiculous. And so um, it's also part of the problem with these wearables for a lot of people. Like there's yeah. a very steep learning curve. You learn a lot when you first start using them. You're like, oh, my God, if I do this and this and this, it's, it's better. It's a relatively short learning curve, right? Like you, yeah. you learn a lot very quickly and then you sort of taper off and, you know, it becomes asymptotic around, you know, what, what you're what you're learning. And that's why there's an attrition problem. But what we believe is that by continuing to ingest all data from different sources, um, we will be able to continue to see and how things are changing and provide insights, which will help you want to use those products for longer because you're getting continuously new information as opposed to sort of generic things that says, yes, when I drink alcohol, I don't sleep as well. And when I, you know, don't eat i lose weight and like you yeah. know like yeah, yeah. those are there's a lot of very very generic stuff but um by by mixing all of these different data together we can glean some really interesting things about the individual right not just saying you should do this or you should do that we always joke internally it's like who is this you like this 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 you doesn't exist 
Omix focuses on Shane, the individual. We use your historical data to draw conclusions around how choices that you make and actions that you make um, impact different things in your life. So it's interesting too for for anyone listening. I'd be curious to know since you've actually been talking to high performers and coaches, and I'm just anecdotally hearing things. Um, for someone who thinks they're a toy, that's actually kind of a light bulb went off in my head. So someone, and I'm going to use a probably extreme example. If if a, an extreme athlete or a, a high performing athlete thinks these devices aren't necessarily the most useful, and there's better ways to do it. From your experience today. And I know Omics is trying to solve this connection point, but what are what are like the LeBrons of the world? How are they correlating yeah. their nutrition, their recovery, and their training stimulus to results? And like, I, I'm so, I'm so curious today in the high performing world, like, how are they doing it a better job by not looking at the data? Yeah, I would say a few things. I think the the term toy has to do with people not implementing the changes, as we talked about. You know. Many people have a plan and, you know, Wednesday's a lift day or Thursday's tennis or, you know, Sunday is running or whatever it may be. Yeah. And they're not adapting that plan to what the data is telling them. Right. So if you're not using it for anything, then it is just a toy. Right. Yeah, if, yeah. So it's, it's less about the efficacy of the product and more about how you use the information the product provides to improve your life. Um, or to improve your performance, if that's your goal. Um, I obviously can't speak directly to what LeBron does. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I know um, I've talked to a lot of you know high performers and high-performing coaches. Um, and I think the biggest thing that those people do is actually use the information and try to test things and figure out, well, what are, what is this telling us? And can we make that change, right? Because you know, my whoop has been telling me to go to bed earlier, you know, for two and a half years. Yeah. And like, I don't, you know, so it's like, Got that's it. what I think, you know, the so they're like actually going to bed tour. earlier. Yeah. yeah, they're actually doing and it may not be you know that specifically, but they're actually sure. trying different things, seeing what the impact is, and trying to triangulate to um, positive changes based on changes in their lifestyle, their routine, their nutrition, their exercise, their recovery, whatever it may be. What I would say, and 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 the the incredibly positive feedback that we received from these high performers and these elite athletes and these coaches is they are willing to do those things, but even the coach's ability to determine what those things are is very limited without machine learning and things like omics because without getting too technical about it there's a difference between correlation and causation and if you try to eat chicken every day before a basketball game like and you score more points like those two things are correlated sure but like did that actually cause the change what right. else was going on and that's a limitation for omics obviously as well when you think about the more comprehensive and the more holistic the data set is, the better it's going to be. So when we start to look at how does exercise impact recovery and how does nutrition impact recovery and things like that, it doesn't take into account the fact that I have a two and a half year old who screams in the middle of the night or that my wife grabbed the pillow that I sleep on or that I was stressed out at work that day. You know, like, so there's a yeah. limit to the things that we can track and 
coming from my background in, in, you know, finance and investing, we used to modeling in a different type of not, you know, machine learning models, but Microsoft Excel models, we used to, always used to use the term, you know, garbage in, garbage out. And meaning, you know, the quality of, and the, the um, efficacy and the, the um, completeness of the data that you put in will have obviously a very high impact on the quality of whatever it is that you're getting out from it. So even those coaches are saying, you know, I'm a triathlon coach or a tennis coach or a basketball coach or a strength and conditioning coach in the NFL. Like I'm not a statistician, you know, like I can track a bunch of stuff, but is it really what's making a difference? And do we have a statistically significant sample and like blah, 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 blah. And tracking all of those things is onerous. And so the more that we can improve collection through wearables and stuff like that, and the more that we can bring all of this disparate data together to try to separate the noise from the signal, we can be a tool for those coaches who can then help those athletes and those players implement those changes in their life. But just because you're an NFL coach or, you know, coaching a world-class skier or something like that doesn't mean that you know how to use machine learning or anything like that. So it's actually, you know, we hope to be a tool for those people as well. Makes a ton of sense. Okay. Yeah. It's crazy when you really get into the weeds of it, like how many things, it's not even how many things are moving the needle. That's obvious, but it, then it's maybe, I think we're both on the same wavelength as far as like prepping for something. And then it's like the compounding week over week of those (laughs) habits and those little things. It's like, then you get to the, the end of a 12, 16, whatever the, the week program is and you're like yeah it's accumulation of and i i don't know about you i i know the first time i ran a marathon when i ran in 2017 i ran new york versus now like i wasn't tracking anything my diet was like whatever i was drinking during the week like it's just hilarious to me five years later even just like i personally think i'm a big fan of of wearables obviously and we both wear the whoop and all that fun stuff but just being aware of what you're doing, I think then sets you up to, you can make the call. Like you, you can decide yeah. if what's the priority um, or at least know like what impacts you. Like I know for me, it's like little weird things. Like I know if I have bourbon on a Friday or Saturday, doesn't matter if it's one drink or four, it's I'm red. So yep. it's like, if I need to be, if I need to be optimal for a training session on a Saturday morning, like the last thing I could do is touch something like that. Yep. I, I totally agree for me. Um, sugar before bed um whether it's like alcohol sugar or candy sugar or anything like that like within like an hour to two hours before bed my resting heart rate just like doesn't come down nearly as much um, at at night so stuff like that's really interesting and i want to just touch on something that you talked about because i think it's a major point and and a lot of what we think about atomics and and what we're building the product um for which is priority and preference um, and ability to adhere to things and everyone's life is different and everyone has a different level of commitment and everyone has different priorities and everyone, everyone has, everyone has different circumstances. And so when you talk about these professional athletes or these elite athletes, it's like, you know, this is how you make your living man, or this is your lifetime goal. Woman has been to, you know, be a, an Olympic gold medalist. Like you do what it takes. Like sure. that is your job, right? If it <clears> says eat, 14, you know, ounces of chicken every day and go to sleep exactly at 8.37 p.m. Like, you're going to do that because that's what it is. But the working parent of two or three who has, you know, a few hours a week here and there and a 100 or $200 a month, maybe extra to spend, like, that person 
needs the ROI on their investment, and that investment can be time, money, or energy in their health to be super high, right? Because they simply cannot afford literally, whether that's monetarily or time-wise or energy-wise, to be doing things that don't work for them. And I was actually speaking to an Olympic gold medalist um, recently, and I said to him, you know, well, you're trying to take, you know, seconds off of, you know, uh, he happens to compete in triathlon. It was like, off of a swim or, you know, trying to increase, you know, split times in the run by seconds per mile. And a working parent is trying to do something totally different. And it's equally important to both of you on a relative basis to yourself, but like on an absolute basis, it's obviously very different. And he sort of stopped me and said, let me make it very clear that it's way more important to them, right? Like I'm playing a game and yes, I've dedicated my life to this and all of that stuff. And it's very important to me, but like, this is real life for those people. And, and, right. and this is the different, like, this is, can I exist and can I thrive or, or be successful in my life? He's like, at the end of the day, like, that's way more important. And just to circle back to, to the reason that we're, we think about that is all of these articles and, and blog posts and podcasts and stuff talking about what you should be doing, right? What you never see because it's generic and not personalized is a ranking of how important it is to you. So for example, you have said, Shane, in the past, you know, I can't eat gluten. Apparently I should stay away from brown liquor and, you know, I should go to bed at a certain time. Yeah. Well, if I told you that those were the three things that you need to do and you were like, listen, you know, I really don't want to stay away from brown liquor or whatever sure. the, yeah, the one yeah, that you yeah. choose is. The, the, the presumption there is that they're all equally weighted. So what if I told you like the brown liquor is a, like, has like a massive impact and your bedtime has like a little bit of an impact or, you know, and so giving the, the user the choice and the, in, the information about how impactful things are and the choice to say, I can do this. I definitely can't do that. You know, various wearables have told me to do things over the years that are just impossible. Like I've gotten, um, a notification from from a, uh, a wearable that's involved in sleep timing and stuff like that to start getting ready for bed and it was before 5 p.m like <laughs> yes I have, I have a job i have a wife i have a toddler like 5 p.m bedtime is probably not going to happen for yeah, me that often right you know and so like that is an example of, of something that is that is just impossible but even if it said 8 p.m. and I didn't want to go to 8 p.m. If it told me like this is a massive impact, right? And you've got a marathon coming up, like they're not like. Then, to your point, it arms me with the information so that I can make the choice, right? Right. I'm willing to do this. I'm not willing to do that. And and do those priorities change if I know how important it is to my recovery? And that's one of the things that we're able to do through statistical analysis and algorithms and machine learning is to sort of rank the importance or the impact they call it the coefficient you know of all of these things so you can look at okay i want to improve my hrv okay here are the six things i should be doing well this one's super important but i just can't do it but i i can't do that one but i can do these next three and maybe i can overcome or you know offset the not, the inability to do the first one and to give the user the ability to understand the relative importance and relative value of those things so I come from the investing world again, but so they can think about how they can invest or deploy their time, money, and energy into these different things that they need to be doing in order to maximize the return 
for themselves based on their own priorities and their own um, lifestyle, really. Got so it. so it's not just about making recommendations. It's about telling you the relative importance and letting you pick the ones that work for you. Because as one of my co-founders always says, and it's, you know, talked about in the wellness industry a lot, like the best routine is the one that you can stick to for a long time. Yes, you know, 100%. so just saying like, you have to do this or you can't do that. Sure. Maybe someone can do it for 12 weeks leading up to a marathon, but the day after the marathon it's game on, right? Yep, like, right. I, I can to not touch brown liquor for 12 weeks, but then it's every night for, you know, whatever. Um, not for me, but you know, like you'll, you'll learn when, when your wife has the baby that that'll change also. I'm sure. Um, but, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's, so, so giving that ability to, to prioritize and rank order things based on your ability, your desire, your priorities is a really important part of people being able to make long-term behavioral and habit changes. That makes a ton of sense. And it's interesting. I'd love to go back. And I was just thinking about it because I have a good scenario like this weekend coming up. So for me, like typically right now, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you're somewhat similar, but Wednesdays have been like my speed workout days. Mm -hmm. Um, usually I think Thursday's a break Friday is like an easy run. And then Saturday's a long run. But this week I know we're going to be going up to my in-laws lake house on Friday afternoon, not coming back till probably Sunday afternoon or evening. So I had to like smush things to get, which is not optimal, but it's a one-off thing. So I'm going to, you know, speed today, slower tomorrow, long on Friday morning and take Saturday, Sunday, probably off. If not something lighter up there. Partially, mm -hmm. I know I'm not going to sleep as well, which again, this is all helpful because I've had the whoop long enough that I know what's going to happen. My yep. strain up there will be higher than normal because I'm out in the water. Um, probably not going to eat and drink optimally at all, right? Not sleeping as well. So I'm like, pro I am proactively rearranging mm -hmm. what I should be doing because I know those things are coming. But at the same time, if I wake up Friday morning and I'm red for whatever the million reasons it could be, like I got to go, like it's my only day probably to do my long run. And I and I've like backloaded it. So for your, it's kind of interesting too because there's probably a human aspect to this as well. Of like, is it more important if I'm red to just not go as far because my body's not ready, or is it more important to get the miles in because in you know eight weeks I have a race? You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I'd, I'd be curious to know your it's thoughts a, there too because it's, it's it's very it's dynamic. Tough, it's a tough question. I would say that well, the first thing I would say is that I am not a coach and um, <laughs> I, would, I would listen to your, your coach or, yeah. or, you know, whatever. I think the most important thing is what works for you. And, and I am a super analytical quantitative. I think those are the nice ways to say it, you know, probably rigid OCD esque are probably um, more accurate ways to say it. Um, and I've been working with a running coach as I prepare for my first marathon. Um, his name is uh, Nick Klistava. He nice. is, uh, an incredible first of all he's an incredible runner he's like the the speed is is out of this world but he's just uh, an even better human being um and he's helped me so much not only like i'm a i'm a new runner right like i started running um eight or eight or nine months ago i had never run anything before that like maybe you know in some sports and stuff like that but i'd probably run 50 miles in my life cumulatively um, you know, before nine months ago, and now I'm running 50 miles a week almost. Yeah. Um, for you, and man. so That's awesome. It, yeah, it's great. I'm thank you. I'm really enjoying it. But Nick has really helped me get away from a lot of these numbers and things like that, because 
it can be detrimental to your growth as a, as a human, as an athlete, you know, I, I've had a lot of great successes in my very, very early career. You know, it's, you know, it's fun when you start and you PR everything you do right. by definition, there's no, there's nothing to, to the, the, the hurdle is either very low or non-existent. Yeah. But then you start to get disappointed when you don't. And I've had, you know, we live in Miami and it's insanely hot here. And I've had some brutal workouts. Um, I've had to cut a lot of workouts short. Um, and for me, that's really tough. Like being the, like the just programmatic, diligent, quantitative based person, right? Like I yeah. look at that, I'm like, that's an order. Go out and run, you know, 16 miles at this pace. And if you do it, that was a success. And if you don't, that was a failure. Right. And that's not the right mindset because failure is the wrong word, right? That's an opportunity to learn from things and, and to improve. And you don't, you know, Ryan Hall, who um, is an incredible runner and uh, holds, I think still holds the U S men's half marathon race it was the first i believe it was the first man to do it in under one hour which is wow. just ins That's insanely incredible. fast yeah. yeah ran in the olympics the marathon in the olympics and his wife um was the u.s women's half marathon record holder so oh, they're nice. a, a running power couple yeah um but he um I, I he has a great book and i listened to him on a on a podcast with he was talking about how no one wins practice you can't win at practice so like this idea that you failed or succeeded is like you have to reject that premise because okay. that's not the point of practice, right? It's not, it's not to be like, yes, I came in first in this practice run. No, the idea is to work on things. And my coach, Nick, oh, it says is in a similar vein, he says, you improve fitness and you work on your fitness during practice and during training. You don't prove fitness in training. Right. So if you yeah. can't run at a certain pace or you can't lift a certain amount, whatever your training may be, or you can't hit a golf ball as far as you want or whatever it may be like, that's fine because the goal is to figure out what you need to work on and work on it. Right. Love that. If, if, if practice was the event, then you would have no event, right? Like right. no marathoner goes like, Oh, I just crushed a three fifteen twenty six point two 26.2 mile practice, practice run. Like yeah, that's not, right, right, that's right. not a thing, you yeah, know, you're yeah, not yeah. proving anything in practice. So that mindset. So, for you, what I would say is like, and I'm just regurgitating things that people far smarter and, and more experienced than I am have told me is like, do what works for you. And the other big thing is like, you're not going to undo months of fitness. Like you're on day 97,000 of these lunges, right? Like you're not going to undo. <laughs> was, wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost to a thousand. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I mean, it's insane. I see it every morning on, on, on Instagram and it's it, but that is, that's a perfect example the habit that you've created like that's not going to get undone because you like go sit at the lake house at your in-laws or you yeah. eat an extra burger or you have an extra beer or you wake up later or go to bed later or whatever like you can't it's it, you know people in in business always talk about there's this like famous warren buffett quote and i'm gonna butcher but it says something to the effect of you know it takes a lifetime to build up a reputation only a minute to destroy it Ah, um, yes. Which may be true for your reputation. It is not true for your fitness, right? You cannot work for months and months and months and months and then have like one bad day or week or, you know, obviously if it turns into months, like you can see a, a decrease, but like a few, like, I also think psychologically it's super healthy. Like I just went yeah. on a trip with my wife and um, our son and, and 
a bunch of people in my wife's family and we were away for three weeks and I didn't track my nice. food for three weeks. Oh, cool. And yeah. I ate what I wanted and I what gained was that like? weight. Um, a little bit of a feeding frenzy in the beginning. Um, you realize that you're like, I was like hungry all the time because I would just like uh... kept on eating. And like, I was like every like two hours, like, because I think about this a lot, but like, when you become so programmatic, like I've tracked my food for almost two years. I eat the same amount of food every day, basically. Um, I eat at the same, I eat five meals a day at the same time, every single day, basically. And when you, that works really well when you're on plan. Yeah. But it, it, it also creates a tremendous amount of fragility or frailty. And it, it, it decreases your ability to adapt because once you move off of that plan, your body's like, what is going on here? Why am I not getting fed? Like I used to do fasting for like autophagy purposes and I would go three, three days most of the time um, with nothing but water. Um, and I can't do that now as an endurance training for endurance sports, yeah. but um, I was doing it for, you know, as part of it as an experiment, but also just to see, you know, how it made me feel and all that stuff. There's a lot of science that says it's good for you. Um, and what was amazing was, the only times I was hungry during those fasting days was at the times that I was supposed to be eating my meals. Uh, so my body was like, it's noon, feed me. Yeah, like, it's time to eat. But at, at 1 p.m. or 1.30 p.m., I was never hungry. So like you get into these routines and then it becomes very hard. It, it can be very positive, but it can be very hard when you get off of them. So there was a, we were, we happened to be in Italy. So there was a lot of um, pasta and a lot of gelato and a lot of pizza and, I was ravenous for a few days, but I kept up my running um, and I actually ran great over there. Maybe I you know, needed a few extra pounds. Maybe I had more energy from having more food and like, you know, whatever it was. Um, or maybe, like I said, you know, months and months and months of training is not going to be undone by one week of eating a little bit more or you sure. know, whatever it may be. So I, I know I think it's true. I, I was going to say real quick, it's funny. Yeah. I know for me, I've been on this, I've been on a very strict diet of mainly vegetables, avocados, meat. That's like pretty mm -hmm. much what I eat. And then some fruit in there. And then now with the marathon training, I've been, I used to do you, I would have something, I'd have something like an hour, two hours before I went to bed. Like almost, it was kind of funny, but like fruit and peanut butter mm -hmm. before going to bed for like an insulin mm -hmm. spike helped me sleep better. And then I'd fast all the way to lunch and I'd work mm -hmm. out fasted. That was what I've been doing for years. Now at the marathon training, I've been, I've been fueling in the morning with carbs and it's actually been really yeah. interesting because I, I think I feel better. My runs definitely feel so much. I feel so much like I just have fuel. Um, yeah. I've kind of, I've kind of, uh, change some of my mindset around just always thought about food from an aesthetic perspective of like, what's going to make you look better versus mm -hmm. what do you need now that I'm like more focused on performance than anything. It's, it's interesting thinking about it differently. I think that's really important. And I think, you know, that's why when people, um, people, when you start a health and wellness company, think that you know a lot about health and wellness. And so, um, <laughs> I, I get asked a lot of questions and I defer them to, you know, professionals. Um, but, the number one question that I would ask anyone who asks me a question is, well, what is your goal? You know, like, are you trying to be like on the cover of a fitness magazine? Like, are you trying to be, you know, the fastest guy in, in your town? Are you trying to lift the most weight? Are you, like, because you're absolutely right. Like working out fasted as an endurance athlete is insane. 
right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's detrimental to your performance. It's dangerous. Um, it's, it's really bad for your recovery and, and, and lead can lead to injury and, and, and all sorts of bad things. It also does a, a, a real number on your like central nervous system and oh, stuff like really? that. And so I think it puts your body in a, in a, a lot of stress to, yeah. to be, you know, doing long. I mean, my long runs now are two, two and a half hours, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and we live in Miami where it's 1 million degrees and yeah. especially in the summer. And so this is an interesting thing. I've been tracking sweat rates, um, and electrolyte loss, um, oh, and, and all that what? stuff as there's, um, I'll give a free plug to this company. I have no okay. affiliation with them whatsoever. Um, there's a company called H drop, um, which is an armband that you put on that can measure this stuff. Um, I'm a nerd who was willing to like defer any, um, sort of, uh, discretionary spending to things like this. So yeah. like for a hundred bucks, I'm like happy to do it. The real way to like the way that I do it. I, so I use that. Um, and the other way to do it is literally get on a scale before you run, uh, get on a scale after you run and figure it out, you yeah, know, and, tells you. and you have to, yeah, you weigh, you know, you figure out how much water you drank during it. Water is great because it's roughly, um, one ounce to one ounce. So if you drink 20 ounces of water, it's a pound and a quarter or you know, 20 ounces. Um, so you, you, before you get dressed for your run, you get on a scale naked, you don't pee or anything after that you go run. Then you take off all your clothes and before you pee or eat or anything like that, you weigh yourself again and you figure out what the, the weight difference is. And uh. then, like I said, you add anything that you would have um, consumed over the time, whether that's nutrition or, or water. Um, it's insane. I'm losing over three and a half pounds an hour Whoa. in sweat. In so when you do like a two hour run, you're losing like six to eight seven pounds. Pounds. Eight wow. pounds I lost. This past Sunday, I ran uh, 16 miles and I lost uh, eight pounds. Whoa. Uh, in in like two cow, hours. And, That's crazy. And two hours and 12 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Like, so to the idea of how hard your body is working when it's under that much stress to not put fuel in it, like – now you're talking about trying to drive a Toyota at 130 yeah. miles an hour with no gas in the tank. Like yeah, you're, it's hard right enough now. to go that fast. No hate on Toyotas. Um, <laughs> you know, like, like I, I'm the Toyota. I'm not the Ferrari, right? So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's hard enough for me to run that far. But when you put it in that heat and then you don't fuel it, like it's it's craziness. Um, That's so, so crazy, yeah. It's and funny. you see it in your recovery. Yeah. I uh, I ran last week was like the longest run I had done in a long time at least not it's not as far as you went but um, my first marathon prep I remember I I ran along like a trail in Indianapolis that I could kind of go like up halfway turn around and come straight back and it was very clean so what I would do is and I just use water which is funny enough I've learned so much since then I would throw a water bottle like off to the side by a tree yeah. and I like run by and drink some of it and that was the only thing I had and now it's you know I tr I try to set up runs that I can do a lap or a loop by my house. Cause I have a, a, a refrigerator in the garage where I work out. Mm -hmm. And so now I have like food in there, electrolytes in there. And so when I'm doing my, my, you know, if I'm every four miles or For so, sure. if I don't bring a gel, well, I want to get gels. I was going to talk to you about that too. Just like uh, yeah. some of the things, some of the ways you're fueling, but um, even that I just, you feel like you have so much more energy and you're able to push further by just rehydrating and adding fuel. It's totally. Crazy. Totally agree. I, um, I just switched from a handheld water bottle, okay. um, which I will carry on like runs of like, well, now in the summer I carry, every, even if I'm doing like, I don't know, a few miles, four or five miles, like easy, I still carry it with me because it's just too hot here. Um, it's not only the heat, the humidity, it's like I run 
as you know, very early in the morning. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm out the door at four usually. Whoa. Um, you have to go that early. It's and, just too hot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just, that's just, I wake up that early. Yeah. I, I eat at three. I wake up, uh, typical days, I wake up at three. Like I eat at like 3.15 and I'm out the door at 4.15. So like I eat an hour before. What time are you going um, to bed? I try to be, a, I'm going to try to be asleep by 8.30. Oh wow! Okay, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. You. I, yeah. So people are like, oh, you don't sleep. I'm like, no, I just like have the schedule of like a 90 year old. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, uh, yeah it, I need to adopt I that to though, because I, I I tend to like le- get a little too far into the late, and then I'm always yeah, I'm pinching it. Just like just like everything else, wait until that baby comes. And, I know, uh, right? It'll you know, change it will, everything. It will change, but at at four, but so I, I run, but you know, leave between four and four thirty usually. It is 80-something degrees with 80-something percent humidity Holy and a 70-something percent – a 70-something degree dew point. So, like, the, the the way the math works, and it's different for everyone, is that I'm losing um, 5 to 6% performance just from the weather. So when you think about running, and I'm not the fastest runner in the world, I'm losing, like, 20 to 30 seconds per mile pace oh, it's just from the weather. Oh, yeah. It's wow. crazy. So like, yeah, so it, it, it's a big deal. And so, so for you I even would, going like training in Miami though, it's, it reminds me of like an athlete training in Colorado and then performing yeah, like you, when you go to New York, you're going to hear me flying. They call it, well, we'll see. They call <laughs> it the poor man's altitude, you know? Okay. Um, oh, I love it. So, <laughs> but, uh, I was carrying this handheld and it just wasn't enough. So I actually just switched. And I bought, uh, I haven't even used it yet. I'm going to use it. Um, this Sunday I have 18 miles coming up on Sunday, which I'm, very uh nervous about but uh it's gonna be my longest run ever but i switched to like a camelback oh and okay I'm just gonna like run an actual backpack. I, yeah like 20 ounces of water over two and a half hours is just not when you're losing you know three and a half pounds is uh 1648 you know that's 56 ounces of water an hour that i'm losing now obviously you can't rehydrate that whole amount yeah. and you don't have to but 20 ounces over two and a half hours is you know eight ounces an hour that ain't gonna cut it. Um, yeah, sure. So sure, sure. yeah, so it's a really important um, nutrition, as you talked about gels. I would say, and and I work with an incredible nutritionist. I'm part of founding a, a health and wellness and performance company is that I get to work with a lot of great people, um, and um, because we're working on something that's related to the industry, you know, it's it. There's a lot of interest in it. Um, but a woman named Megan Featherstone, who runs a company called Featherstone Nutrition. Um, she's an incredible athlete herself. She's a sub three hour marathoner. Um, and she works with some incredible other sub three hour marathoners. She has a, also a great podcast. Um, but she is my nutritionist. Um, and we've worked a lot on fueling strategy and, you know, anything over an hour, we're taking a gel, uh, halfway through anything longer than that. Um, we're doing, you know, gels every 20 to 30 minutes. Um, I would say that, you have to test the different ones and see what works for you. Some people like the, um, just the gels, like the goo. And some people like, they're like almost things that are like, um, they're like, like gummy bears almost. Oh, okay. Like uh, they're like, they look like, um, they're like, um, Starburst kind of, but like, like Starburst shape, but in like a gummy bear texture. Huh. Some people like those. There are drinkable ones. They make mixes, hydration mixes and, and, and electrolyte and, and carbohydrate mixes. Everyone's gut is different. You have to work on it, train your gut, see what you like, enjoy the taste of. It sits well in your GI tract, you know, all these different things that, that I'm not qualified to talk about. But sure, you sure. can you can try different stuff. But I think 
fueling is is the utmost important. So I would say for people that are running at least, um, have a carb carby meal before you run. Try to do it 45 to an hour before, but you know, anything is better than nothing. And I try to get 50 to 60 grams of carbs in and very little fat and protein, maybe 10 grams combined between fat and protein. So I eat weird stuff. Like I eat like white rice and syrup in the morning, like, you know, like, cause I'm just going for like straight carbs with yeah. no protein or fat in it. Um, and then I'll drink, you know, I'll drink my water. Um, sometimes I'll put something like a scratch in it, which is in like an electrolyte mix. It's S K R A T C. Um, sometimes I put glucose, you know, powders in the Morton is a, my favorite one. Um, M A U R T E N is the company that they work with some of the best athletes in the world. They make gels, they make, um, energy, uh, or, or carbohydrate mixes that you put dilute in water. Um, and then the one that a lot of people forget about is like when you come back, right. Oh, when you're you done sure? within 30 minutes, you really want to be having, you know, 30 ish grams of protein, depending on your size and, you know, two or three X that in carbs. So I try to do 30 grams of protein, 70 to 80 to 90 grams of carbs, um, and a little bit of fat. Um, and then, you know, um, I try to do that as soon as I can. I'm like pre-make all my meals obviously before I run. So I come back home, grab it right out of the fridge, eat it, shower. Um, and then it's time to, to wake up the, uh, the two and a half year old and you know, get my day started. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. No, it's, it's interesting. I, you know, I think I told you a little bit when I said, I just set out this year. It was one of those years where uh, I think I turned 30, my business got off the ground. There's been a lot of exciting things, but I, I really wanted to do a physical challenge. I wanted something that was like physical in nature. And it came back to my mind. I, I'll never forget. I was, it was a huge accomplishment to finish New York for me in 2017, mm -hmm. but my time was so bad which, you know, when I dig digress, it, it's very obvious why. Like there was – I could poke holes in about 45 different components of my plan leading up to it. And I, I've always thought I'm like I never want to run a marathon again. And then it, it hit me and I'm like, no, I, I do. Like my original goal, for, for example, for New York was four hours, which was hilarious because mm -hmm. none of my training would have aligned to that actually <laughs> happening. You know, just like total just not – didn't know. Um, yep. and I ended up running it in 5:35, So it was really okay. bad. And I was basically crawling across the finish line. Like it was, you know, one of those types. You of did things. something that 1% of the less than 1% of the world can do though. Is that true? Is I, it less than 1%? I mean, I, I would, ha I don't have the official data, but like 40,000 people a year run the New York city marathon. True. So, I mean, a few million people out of 7 billion is a small percentage. Very, um, very true. So. Very fair. <laughs> um, so no, it's really cool. It's really cool to like learn about even your strategy going through your first one, because it's, I think that some people look at it as a daunting task, but if you actually like pull the layers back, there's so much strategy that goes into endurance racing. It's, it's I think it's honestly really cool. Like I've, I've been very intrigued by how interesting it's gotten. What it, it's fascinating to me and it can get super nerdy on the science. And like, I track stuff that I didn't even know what it was like six months ago. Like okay. I'm tracking yeah. my SMO two, which is like your muscle oxygenation using a sensor called a moxie monitor, like, which is like Whoa. strapped to your thigh. Like I'm tracking, um, you know, core body temperature. So not your skin temperature, but you, there's a thing called core, which attaches on, like under your armpit and it's tracking the, the temperature. It uses proxy measurements, but tracks the, 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 like the, your temperature inside your body. A lot Whoa. of the most impressive and talented, um, 
triathletes, cyclists, and runners are using that. Um, there's a company called VO2 Master, which uses a VO2 Max machine that you're basically running with one of those face masks on the the tra on the treadmill to try to figure out your different um, you know thresholds for in in terms of your compared to your VO2 Max, which is your the maximum amount of oxygen that you can take in. So like all of that is like super interesting to me. But then Nick will always tell me, he's like, at the end of the day, you just have to run. Yeah. You know, right, like, right, right, you, right. like the, you can, and it's not a math equation. I learned this the hard way in a 10K that I did um, in, I guess it was April, but it might have been May down here in Florida, where I was like, I'd used all these calculators to extrapolate what my time was based on my 5K times. I'd done three 5Ks. And like, I was like, this is easy. I, the first 5K I ever did, I'd been running for one month. I ran it in 22 minutes. I did one two months later, I ran it in 21 minutes. I did one two or three months after that, I ran it in 20 minutes. I was like, great. And Nick was like, you do realize that like, if you just drew a line through this, you'd be the fastest person in the world before Christmas. Like, this is not how this works, you know? <laughs> oh, that's and hilarious. I was like, yeah, I was like, okay. Well, and, I was, and, and going back to that sort of robotic thing, I was like, you do your training as, you're, as it's prescribed to you. You set it to pace. And then you run at that pace on the race day. And it's like, that's not how life works. And like, you know, that's, yeah. if, if it were that easy, like, you know, like no one would ever win a race they weren't supposed to win or lose a yeah. race they weren't supposed to lose or whatever. So it's finding the combination and the balance between all of these super interesting, you know, physiological um, metrics and stuff like that. And then just going out there and uh, the psychological side and just running and putting in the practice and, you know, gaining ability and gaining belief in yourself. And, and after the blow up on the 10 K, I mean, I was, I was convinced I was going to run 42 minutes. Um, it happened to be like insanely hot that day. I ran, I was on pace for the first 5k and then it felt like someone hit me some simultaneously someone hit me in the stomach and another person hit me in the leg with a baseball bat oh wow and i just cramping had to slow down it cramping legs were heavy hot like gross like you know everything basically went wrong and i and i ran it in i don't know 46 minutes or something like that which is to non-runners that's like 42 46 yeah like whatever but like that's a big difference in the 10k four yeah, minutes. yeah yeah um and I just, you know, I was devastated for a few minutes. And then I was like, you know what? Like five years ago, I couldn't run. I couldn't walk 10K, you know, like, you oh, know. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. I mean, I could walk 10K, but you know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't You hadn't have. done it. It's um, a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And so, and then I ran a half this uh, last month and set a goal of 140. And, but I had a call with Nick before that. And he was like, whatever it is, it is right like if it if it's not there that day it doesn't mean that you don't have the fitness it doesn't mean that you haven't you know progressed and stuff like that it just means that life happens and you're not going to be guaranteed to get what you you know what you think you can get every single race right some races yes some races no um and it was hot but not as hot as florida i, mean, I did it in new york actually um and there were some issues we had a, a bad side stitch at one point about a quarter of the way through the race, I took a nasty spill on the street. Oh um, no! I don't, like nine and a half miles. I it was actually on a board part, part of the race was on a boardwalk, and I just wasn't never saw it. There was a plank of the boardwalk that was just up. I just caught a toe and oh, geez. <laughs> took a digger. It wasn't that bad. It hurt 
didn't i mean i think the adrenaline was just like rushing so i just yeah. got back up well and it's just one of those things like in the middle of a race like the last thing you what are you gonna do eat shit right yeah and we did 139.04 so we were oh, like nice. we beat it by so yeah, you beat it. It in, yeah we beat it by a little bit and like you know who knows what would have happened if i wouldn't have fallen on my face like a dummy but um you know in some races you win and some races you don't but to me um it's far it's become far more about the process than about the outcome like i was literally I just, just about to say that the yeah. training i love the training i love getting up every morning and running or lifting and i do a lot of cross training too so i'm still cycling um, i'm still swimming you know Very cool. um and to me it puts me in a makes me a better person it's not about like oh like i'm 40 and i'm like average athletic talent like i'm not gonna run a two and a half hour marathon ever in my life you know like that's not the goal the goal is to be the best version of myself that i can be it makes me a better parent and a better husband and, and a better colleague and just a better person so i love the routine and the habit of every day i wake up except for off days but you know yeah. six days a week i wake up and i do something i run i swim i bike i lift i do some combination of those things um and it's just great. And that's why Omics is, you know, our, our passion business. The four of us who started this company all believe that how you live impacts how you live. And, I love that. you know, and the choices that you make impact the life that you get to live. And it's not about, did I win the basketball tournament or did I run the fastest race or did I, you know, surf the biggest wave or lift the most weight, whatever. Right. Like um, it's about, the process and it's about the thing you know i i do something that i enjoy that makes my life better and people always talk about like the commitment right and, and the commitment is really important and the benefit or, or the reward that you get i i tell myself this all the time and, and one of our advisors um sarah hendershot is an incredible athlete she was a u.s olympic rower um nice. she's one of the most fit people I've ever known and, and one of the best competitors I've known, even though I didn't know her during those times, just in everything she does, she acts like an Olympian. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, we were talking about something once and, and it was, I can't remember who said it, but we had talked about it. And we were like, hey, this is exactly right on. Like the reward for all the practice is that you get to do it more. It's not that you get to win the race or that yeah. you get to lift the weight. It's that I get to run more. Right. And, and, and living a healthier life is the reward and living a healthier life so I can continue doing something that I love is the reward. And so it's about the process. And that's where Omics comes in. Our goal is to help you optimize your process and implement that process into your life. Right. So oh, yeah. it's about finding the things that work for you, the things that matter, those high priority things and finding a match between what's high priority and what's high impact for you. And then helping you put that into your life because it's overwhelming. People have jobs and kids and significant others and friends and parties and vacations and tragedy and work and, you know, tough times and loss and all these things. So our goal is to help determine what those things are that you can be doing help you figure out which one of those things you want to do and then help you implement those things into your life so that you can succeed and you can create these long-term habits and you can fall in love with the process and become a better, happier, healthier person. Love that, man. Yeah. You hit it on the head. I was literally about to say that it's, it's, I've, I'm the same way. It's like falling in love with the process. I notice I'm a better version of myself 
yep. when I have something on the calendar. And I, I, I learned that from a guy that he's more in like the powerlifting world, but he's always big about like you get most people get more motivation and just more joy out of the process when you know you're building towards something. Sometimes it's hard over time. Like if you're just training for the sake of being healthy, that's not bad. That's great. Mm-hmm. If you, especially if you can just get into a habit of doing whatever it is mm-hmm. you love to do, like that's awesome. But I have noticed for myself the same way. Like when I have something on the calendar, I know I'm I'm building towards. I don't know. There's something exciting about just like going out and doing my long run this week. Like I, I'm nervous, just like you said you were, but mm-hmm. I'm excited too because it's gonna like this time around. I'm so much more interested on learning. Like I guess to kind of summarize that even for like the race coming up is I know everything's going to break. Like things are going to like the wheels are going to fall off. Shit's going to happen. I'm more interested now on like trying to push to those points, at least to some degree mm-hmm. while I train and then working with my coach, to understand like, okay, when this happens, what's, what's, what do you do? Like, what, what do I, yep. what do I do to try to, and then at the end of the day, it's like all of these weeks and weeks of training will come to hopefully it's, it's, it's not even about, you know, showing off your fastest time or whatever it is on race day. It's like, you just, went through a process and here's here's like the result on the other end like let's see let's see what happened let's see if we got if we got better if the process you know yep. worked in some ways and then we go from there and, and keep going i love that it's like and if we way. didn't let's figure out how to get better next time let's go back to that process you know yeah. sarah talks about this all the time with, with me she says you know something is going to break as you said yeah. like you know like she's a rower and like nothing goes right not no, no race does everything go right or very very few races does everything go right and it's not about that it's about how do you adapt when things don't go right right and how do you optimize how do you get the best possible time score weight points whatever it is that you're trying to do how do you optimize on that day given what is thrown at you Right. Yes. We yes. don't live in a science experiment where it's like, well, my VO2 max is this and my power threshold yeah. is that. And so therefore I can using this math equation run a marathon in 30, you know, three hours and 17 minutes and 22 seconds. Like that's not how the world works. Right. That's not real life. That's a that's an experiment. And I think that um, figuring out how to adapt and, and getting that grit, you know, and, and, and I would say that there's a phrase that I love that I saw in a gym. Um, which is that, you know, uh, again, uh, this is not an, an exact <laughs> verbatim res- recital of it, but it's something to the effect of um, your body can do almost anything. It's your mind that you need to convince. Ah, right. And so that. when you're out yeah. there running and you're like, I can't go any further, it's like, no, you can. You just don't want to. You yeah. know, like yeah. if I told you you couldn't eat tonight if you didn't finish the run or that your child was going to be in danger or that you, whatever, you know, like there are people in this world who are running or lifting things or whatever it may be because they their life literally depends on it. Yep. So I have just tried to erase this idea of I can't Yeah. from my, 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 my mindset, right? Like you can do oh, – now, obviously, within reason, right? Like I yeah. can't dunk a basketball. I don't care how much I want to, <laughs> um, you know. But the idea that you can't do something is, some, is not part of my – repertoire anymore it's it, it, it's your it's your body can do it your mind is the, is what usually says that you don't yeah. want to because it's uncomfortable and if you find comfort in uncomfortable situations um you can do way more than than you think you can and there's this idea the theory or not, not a theory but a concept called the strength deficit which is how much you can lift um sort of i would say uh 
when you want to versus how much you can lift when you have to. And they did this experiment huh. with um, by attaching electrodes, like putting people on a leg press machine and just telling them to do like a one rep max and then attaching electrodes to it and saying, don't push at all. And then running current through the legs, which forces the muscles to contract. And it's like insane. And, and, and the, I'd say the real world version of this is like, think about the stories that you hear about like women lifting cars when their babies are underneath oh, them. Sure. Like, if you told a woman, like, go lift this car or a man, this is not a gender thing, right? Like if you told me to go lift a car, I'd be like, yeah, right. Yeah. I have a two and a half year old. If he, if Hayes is under that car, that thing's getting lifted up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know? And so the strength deficit is the difference between what you do sort of um, intentionally and what you can do when you absolutely have to. Okay. Right? And and that gap is wide. Um, so this is, this is, I can't, that's your body can't. This is, I can't, my mind can't, right? Like your mind says you can't do something yeah. long before your body physically can't do it. And when you're on mile 20 of that marathon and you feel like, I can't go any further or I need to slow. I can't keep up this pace. I can't finish. I can't do this. It's like, oh, no, you can. You yeah. just it's easier not to. Right. right. And so right. that's what we think about. And, and I would, the last thing I would say about motivation is motivation is a fleeting concept. Right. No one's motivated 100 percent of the time. It's yeah. impossible to be. And so what we think about a lot is commitment. Right. And oh, yeah. There are days that I don't want to run. I'm not motivated to run, but I'm committed to the process of running. And yeah. I'm committed to reaching this goal of um, running the New York City Marathon this November. And, yeah. I, and I'm committed to living a healthier life. And so when momentum is, um, has, you know, flowed or, or has receded or is not there um, for, on a given day, you can rely on, on that commitment. And the way that you rely on that commitment is like to your, to your point with like your lunges is you create a habit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And momentum, um, you know, is it, it, momentum works when motivation doesn't. And it's very hard to start things, but once you start them, it's often harder to stop them than it is to keep going, 100%. right? Like you've been doing these lunges for almost a thousand days. Like it would be harder in some ways for you to not do that. Oh point, yeah, right? yeah. So, well, I don't know what a day would be like if I didn't lunge. In that. It'd be so right. weird now. Exactly. Yeah. So you yeah. just keep doing it. So if you create good habits, inertia takes over. Yeah. And it it becomes part of your life, and and that's what our goal is with Omics is to help you find the things that matter, that have an impact, help you implement them so they can become habit, and then they just become part of your life and the byproduct of the commitment and the habit. And the adherence to the process is a healthier, happier, higher performing life. That's not the goal. That's just the byproduct of, of how you live. Hell yeah. Love that. That's awesome. It's, it's exciting we, stuff. We, yeah. We can put that on a billboard. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need a few more rounds of funding before we're buying billboards. But yeah. yes, one day, we, one day we will. I love it, man. I love it. Well, this has been awesome. And I know we're, we're, yeah. uh, we're over our time already. So I wanted to ask you a couple last questions that I, I think sure. I'm sure I asked you last time. I tend to ask everybody this. So I'm excited to hear we'll your have different answers. this time. Yeah, I hope I hope you have some good ones. I'm sure you will. The first one is, you know, um, source of knowledge. So for everyone listening today, do you have any recent books, podcasts, journal articles, yeah. anything that you recommend just as something really interesting you've learned lately? I love um, finding new sources of knowledge and and I'm my favorite I'll just give you my favorite quote about knowledge in general is Albert Einstein once said um, 
butcher this quote also just to, just to keep it, keep consistency alive. Um, he said something to the effect of, I have no special talents. I'm only passionately curious. And like that to me is like, I have, I mean, I know I have no special talents, right? Like That's he really probably cool. had very many special talents. Like David Melman knows for a fact that he doesn't have any, um, but I'm passionately curious about things. And so learning and, and stuff like that is a big part of, of, of my life. Um, because I'm running a lot now, um, I would say that um, a big, a, a relatively new big source is um, a guy named Steve Magnus, um, who just wrote a book called Do Hard Things. Um, he was a an incredible runner. Um, he never broke the four minute mile, but was predicted that he had a very promising high school career okay. um, where he they thought he was going to break the four minute mile. He was then one of the coaches on uh, a Nike uh, perfor high performance team. Um, got that job like sort of shot out of nowhere. Um, yeah. There's a crazy side story where he was involved in blowing the whistle on some illegal doping activity that was going on. I shouldn't even say doping. I don't know what the, the, the chemical stuff was, but some illegal substance abuse um, on some of the teams. And that was all thing. But now he's a very, very highly regarded coach and sort of, I would say, um, athletic um, philosopher, oh, almost cool. like he, yeah. he has a lot of really cool ideas. Definitely check out his book, Do Hard Things. Um, I listen to uh, a lot of Rich Roll's stuff. Um, I just got into him a, recently. He's an incredible, a great interviewer, um, you know, um, and, and a, a great thinker. Um, did you listen and, to the one he just released with the guy that's, I, I'm putting a butcher's name, Mike, I think he's over a hundred years old now. Yeah. So cool. It's unbelievable. The guy's like still running marathons and, and, and stuff like that. He's a rowing. He's like uh, kayaking or rowing. I can't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah. I think he's rowing yeah. now cause running's kind of, he's, he's slowed out, down a little yeah. bit, but I mean, slow, I say slow down. He's doing like 10 miles, 10 mile runs and he's a hundred years old. It's like incredible <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rich is Rich is a great interviewer um, and and just a great source of knowledge. Um, so I, I love his stuff. Um, I will always listen to Peter Atia, um, yep. and, and you know his stuff is is really great. Um, that's the stuff that I've been looking at um, recently. I will always I always have to plug um, James Clear. Atomic Habits is one of my favorite Ooh, books. I, of all I actually time. haven't read that one. I got to read that one. I'll add to the list. The best. Okay. Um, the best about if you want to talk about what we've been talking about, like lifestyle changes and implementing things and creating habits and stuff like that. It's great. Um, and then I recently read a book called Think Again by Adam Grant, um, which was awesome. Um, and so uh, I would I would recommend that. And then the last one I'll say for Instagram, but also his podcast is a guy named Justin Sua, um, who works with the Tampa Bay Rays, but oh. is like a great uh, thinker about um, progress and improvement and mental health and all of these things. He, cool. He's awesome. So awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. I will, uh, I'll plug all those for everyone listening and I'm obviously going to check them out too. Um, the second question is around getting shit done. So obviously you're training for a marathon, you're a dad, you're a husband, but you're also a CEO and founder. You have a shit ton going on. What do you use day to day nowadays to, you know, plan out your goals um, kind of boil the ocean and ultimately focus and get the important things done. Are you a pen and paper guy? Do you journal? Do you use some sort of app? What, what's your, what's David's go-to tools to just get uh, shit done? Yeah. My, um, I was a pen and paper guy for a long time. 
until I realized that uh, it's just not that efficient. Uh-huh. Um, and so I'm a, I'm an app guy now. I am for a long time. I was a big user. I think I did answer this on the last um, episode, which was a, a company called Rome Research, which I use a lot okay. um, for taking notes. What's really interesting is you can tag things. So um, with subject matters or, or, or convenient things, so you could say like you know I don't know whatever. I'm oh I'm talking to Shane podcast and tag it a podcast and tag it running and tag it get shit done and whatever you want you create your own tag and then if you're ever thinking about a subject you can click on that and it'll show you every time you've ever thought about this so there's this idea of like networked thinking yeah the human brain we forget like 90 percent of the stuff that we learn and so i'll go back and i'll click on something and i'll be like oh my god i read an article on that i totally forgot like i had no recollection of that whatsoever so that's um big um, we use notion as a company, mm, okay. um, with, for, to, for sort of, you know, um, tracking and, and, and note taking and, and sharing information. Um, I recently started using a to-do list, um, called things is the name of the app. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually been hearing that a is, lot lately. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I, I really like it. And it's kind of expensive, um, right? Like in the, in the realm of to-do apps, I remember looking at know, it and I was, the, I was like, oh wow, this weird, must be nice. What's weird about it is that the mobile app. Is like four, five bucks, and but if you want it on your computer, then it's like fifty bucks. Yeah, so like, that's I'm what not it was. Really sure why they do that? Because um, they're like separate, it's right? Worth it's not like it. you buy it once yeah. and it's. I mean, they yeah, they it's a one time fee for both of them, and they interact. Right, you do one on one, and it obviously ports the other. But I don't know why it's separate like that. But it's um, just is what it is. But it's a great fifty dollar investment or fifty five dollars if you do both. At least sure. it has been for me. And then I would say two final things. Number one. I'm building a company to get shit done and, and implement all these things into my life and, you know, implement things into my calendar so I can be more efficient and, and get everything done that I have to do. Um, but I would say that the number one thing to getting things done is not an app or a process or anything. It's saying no, right. It's uh, saying no to things that yes. you don't need to be doing. There's a tremendous amount of pressure I know either internal or external on everyone say no, say yes to this meeting, say yes to this introduction, say yes to this favor that someone's asking you, say yes to this dinner party, say yes to this date. If you're single, say yes to this sporting event, like figure out, like we were talking about, like with Omics where it suggests things and you figure out what's important to you, like figure out what's important to you, rank them, whether you actually physically do this or, you know, you do it, you know, subconsciously figure out how much time you have, figure out, how much time the stuff that you really want to do is going to take and say no to everything else, you know? And, and so for me, it's been um, declining a lot more is, is the number one thing. Like I have a very reg- regimented schedule, you know, like I wake up at the same time. I train at the same time. I eat at the same time. I take care of our son at the same time. He goes to sc- preschool at the same time. I have meetings at the same time, you know, things like that. And if it doesn't fit and it's super important, then I try and, find a way to make it fit. If it doesn't fit, it's not that important. Well, sorry. Yeah. You know, got it. And you can't feel bad about that. So that's definitely something no. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure everyone can resonate with that one. I know, I know for me and the type of business that I work in now, like I work really with clients. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, I think where I always am trying to get better about is, is how do you, how do you take a book of business? How do you find it? to them? Everything is important, right? So mm-hmm. I'm always trying to make sure they feel supported and, and obviously all their stuff gets done. Um, that's really interesting though. Just like figuring out how you can say no to more. I've been, I've been reading some stuff about that lately, just about saying no in general. Yeah. You know, 
the most successful people say no to most things. Um, so I love that. That's a really, really good one. Cause it's better to do a few do things. More... Yeah. Exactly. We're about to say the same thing. It's yeah, better to yeah. do fewer things really well than a lot of things mediocre. A hundred percent. I know I, I, I struggle in the same way you do. I think now with owning my business, there's so many things that have to get yep. done. I used to use this thing called a full focus planner, which I might've mentioned last time where mm-hmm. like every day you write down three, your big three. And it's like, at least if you look back and you know, five working days or whatever, how many working days you do a week, if I get the three big three done five days, that's 15 big rocks that got mm-hmm. moved towards my goals that, you know, and you do that over time. I, I, I've talked about it on here before. I genuinely think that's how like our business got off the ground was, it was just like, again, the process, I fell in love with the process of working on it every single day. So I don't yep. think it really matters if it's an app or a pen and paper. It's just like, how do you do that? Um, I've tried to become, I think I'm, I've added so many things in my life recently. And now with a baby on the way and training for a marathon that I'm, I'm also like, how do I just ink every minute of the day properly and not waste time writing things that don't, I'm struggling with that because I feel like it takes too much time sometimes to stop and write it down. But then at the same time, I I know with apps, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm bad at like, I just throw too many. I don't have that filter of saying like, don't put this into the app. I just like throw everything in and then I just have this huge shit show of, of things in the (laughs) app. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It's done. I I totally do. And I think that you, um, one of the things that I've been working on, like, I, I do think that there's inertia there, right? Like the busy you are, the more things you get done, right? You have to be efficient. You like, you get on a roll and you just start yeah. doing the other thing that I would say. And like there, I know there's like this get things done philosophy, this GTD thing. And, and I've looked into a little bit, um, but certainly don't, you know, I'm not an active user, but what I would say, and my wife and I talk about this all the time, like just get it done. Like, yeah. right. Like these things sit on your to-do list and you think that it is, I have hours of stuff on my to-do list. Dude, that takes 17 minutes, right? Yes. Like that that respond to Shane's email that's been on your to-do list for four days, like it'll take you 30 seconds. Just fucking Just do it. do it. <laughs> and like so true. you'll feel better and like, you know, this stuff sits on my to-do list for days and sort of with that going saying no thing, like if it's been on your to-do list for two weeks and you haven't gotten to it yet – it's not that important to you. Yes. That so is just so get rid of true. It. If I'm, yeah, if you're lunging or running or whatever your thing is every day, but you don't have time to get back to someone or do whatever, then you've it's not lunged for 1,000 days yeah. in a row. It's important to you. Yeah. Your wife tells you you have to do something. It's important to you. Your business partner or your client says it, has, it gets done. Something yep. that you've been do, like pr- pushing off. There's this, all these apps have like move to tomorrow or like, you know, like remind yes. me later, if you've been doing that over and over again, like that thing is not important to you. Yes. Right. So that either is so get true. it done or just remove it from your list and just say, this is just never going to get done. And that's okay. Yeah. Right. You know? Move on. Forget about so, it. No, that's great advice. I, that's I awesome. That's that. a good way to end it. There we go. Uh, Love awesome. it. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much. I mean, the last thing too, I want to make sure for people who want to learn more about Omix and follow you as well as the company, and I'll, I'll add all this to the show notes, but for people just yeah. listening, where, where can they find Omix and how can they get involved yeah. with the company? Omics.com, O-M-M-Y-X.com. Um, new website up. You can sign up for the wait list to try um, the products. Uh, we're hopefully going to start letting people off that list pretty soon. Um, at Omix on Twitter, at Omix underscore health on Instagram. Um, and yeah, wherever, you know, LinkedIn, at Omics, you know, uh, please reach out. 
Um, we're a small team. We answer everything ourselves. We're fascinated by learning people's stories, getting to know people, trying to help people, uh, you know, on a very personal and individual basis. So um, people DM us and we end up becoming friends with them and they are beta testers now and um, giving us product ideas and, and stuff like that. So um, we're all in this together. This is a human problem that we're trying to solve. So um, feel free to reach out and sign up and email me. I'm David at omics.com. I, you know, answer all my own emails. Yeah. Um, so if you ever have any questions or, or things that are interesting to you or suggestions, please feel free to, to shoot me an email anytime. Love it. Love it. I, I know, like I said before, I'm a huge fan. I've been using it for a long time. Appreciate you letting me in on the beta test. It's def- It's definitely like a part of my my daily routine now. So I love it. Um, I will also add a link in the show notes to the first episode we did. Cause I think we did a really good job yeah. of diving into like the why behind Omics in that one. Yep. Um, but man, thank you for coming back on. This was a blast. It was awesome. great to catch up. And, uh, yeah, this has been, this has been fun as, as, as it was the first time. Um, good luck with your marathon training. You as um, well. And, uh, the upcoming baby and yeah, let's, let's, let's do it again sometime when we launch the product and we're, we have even more new stuff to talk about, and we're training for an Ironman or something. I love it. Crazy yeah, like yeah, that. of course. We stay in touch, you know, through Instagram and other uh, ways. Yep. But let's definitely do another one. I'd love to, you know, blow this out when when you guys go fully public with it because it's it's awesome. Awesome. Thank cool, you man. so much well, for thank, having me, Shane. Absolutely, David. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. All right, take All care, right. buddy. Sounds good. See ya.